Today on the Nerd Outcast podcast, we talk about Harry Potter. Everybody, welcome back. If you couldn't tell, we're going to be talking about Harry Potter, the boy who lived, the boy who inspired uh, a massively successful uh, book and now multimedia franchise. And we're going to try and talk about this crazy uh, wizarding world in the time that we have, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, I should go on on record and say at the time of this recording, J.K. Rowling has once again said some very, very uh, unfortunate and maligned uh, topics and opinions um, on her social media and Twitter and whatnot. So we will also be discussing, uh, to an extent, J.K. Rowling, because I feel we just cannot ignore that, nor should we. So we will be discussing both these books and movies and this author. But before we do that, as is typical for my podcast, I have brought on a few experts to speak with some authority on this given subject. Let's jump all the way over to New York. Tom, who are you? Give us your intro. Hello, this is Tom Brown from New York. I am an actor, singer. Um, My favorite book. Hmm, It's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with... Mm, I'm going to have to go with Goblet of Fire, and I, mm. you know, I take, I will definitely argue with myself later in this podcast about that, but let's go with Goblet of Fire as my favorite, and my Patronus would be Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Just a silvery <laughs> image of Frank Sinatra. Oh my God. It would totally be. Would he hop around or would he just like. He would just sing. He, he just would just sing. Okay. Pop out and start singing, and it would work. That's. That's fantastic, and you're right, it would work, and that is, yes. to- what I know of Tom Brown, this totally tracks. So, <laughs> excellent, Tom. Uh, save all your thoughts. We will jump into this shortly. Uh, let's jump over to Chicago. Victoria, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Victoria Montalbano. My favorite book is Goblet of Fire as well. Uh, and according to Pottermore, my Patronus is a piebald mare which I had to look up what that means. It's British for pretty horse. Uh, So I will take it. I love that they differentiate between pretty horse and ugly horse. I mean, I'm assuming there might be one. Yeah. I could be wrong, but. Yeah, I think there's a, um, it's like a certain pattern or something. Are you happy with that uh, selection? I am. I'll I'll okay, take it. great, yeah. great, great. Well, hold on to your thoughts and feelings, Victoria. We will get more into uh, the Potterverse here in a second. My other guest is also in the Midwest. What is your name, my friend? I'm Nick Tucson. I'm a Chicago-based uh, actor and performance capture artist. And let's see, my favorite book, uh, I'd have to say maybe Half-Blood Prince. Oh. Um, and, oh, man. So I did the Pottermore thing, and it told me I was a dolphin for my Patronus, but I don't accept that. I'm going to go with, actually, my, my Patronus would be Alan Rickman, the actor, not Snape. Very good. The actor, R.I.P., Alan Rickman. <laughs> oh, Alan, Pick, Alan, Alan Rickman may be the best. We'll, we'll talk about the casting, but dear God, Alan yeah. Rickman. So lovely. Um, I should answer my own questions, I guess, real quick. Goblet of Fire is also my favorite book. Uh, my Patronus is probably a herd of cats. Uh, not one, but many cats. Uh, 
and yeah, let's let's focus on on Harry Potter for a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to say a bunch of things here at the top and then I'm going to just start um kind of throwing some questions around. So let me set the stage. Um Harry Potter started as a book series. Uh JK Rowling is literally the rags to riches stories herself uh in a strange way. Um the first book came out in 1997, which I was unaware it was that early. Um but given the release of the movies that makes way more sense to me now and it is the uh, as of yeah i think this is accurate 2020 it is the number one it is the best-selling book series of all time uh over 500 million copies sold uh just for comparison the next best book series is rl stein's goosebumps harry potter is sitting at 500 million rl stein is sitting at 300 50 million, so he, he's a, they are quite a, a way back in the book sales. Uh, by more comparison, Game of Thrones has barely cracked 100 million, uh, another popular fantasy series. So yeah, people love some Harry Potter. Um, I want to start this discussion with some very interesting criticisms that I found of the novels. Let me see if I can find them here. Uh, these, these are just various criticisms I found aimed at the early times of the books, like the first three books, and then one of these is, is towards later. Let me see here, where is this? Where is this? Mm. Ah, yes, uh, a New York Times article uh, said Rowling's universe is a secondary, secondary world made up of intelligently patchwork deriv derivative motifs from all sorts of children's literature written for people whose imaginative lives are confined to TV cartoons and the exaggerated mirror worlds of soaps, reality TV, and celebrity gossip. Uh, another review I saw was that the Potter saga was essentially patronizing, conservative, highly derivative, dispiritingly nostalgic for a bygone Britain. Um, and then another one I saw said that it, it seemed like a lively kid's fantasy crossed with a school novel. Good fare for its age group, but stylistically ordinary, imaginatively derivative, and ethnically mean-spirited. So a lot of negative, interesting negative criticism towards Harry Potter. So my question to all of you, obviously the sales numbers kind of speak against this. Uh, if, if Harry Potter is so derivative and just kind of ordinary, as some of these critics like to point out, uh, why do you all think it took off? Like what, like how did this series take off and on, like how did it light the world on fire? We just toss that out there. I think Harry Potter uh, became really successful in a lot of ways because of the Scholastic marketing department. Uh, they clearly did a great job getting the word out. Um, and it was successful first in the UK, so it sort of already had a fan base before it was released in the US, so I'm sure that helped a lot. And for some of the criticism, some of the criticism. <laughs> it's a hard word, that's all right. Criticism. It's a hard word. You could keep this in. Oh, I'm keeping some... <laughs> this in. I'm going to highlight this one part. Uh, some uh, of the uh. criticisms you mentioned earlier i think are fair of the early books the first two books especially um that are like kids books for kids and they feel a lot like roald Dahl to me with like the mean aunt and uncle and living in a cupboard 
Uh, but what's great about them, I think, as the series goes on, it uh, grows with the, the kids in the story. So it becomes a little more YA as it goes on. Um, and I think that really helps. It becomes a little darker and um, a, a little more, I mean, not completely original. I mean, it definitely hits like fantasy tropes that you see in other stories, but the world building and everything just really grows and becomes more adult as the book goes on, as the story goes on. So, yeah. My other guests, what do you, what do you think of these criticisms as JK literally as a writer and, and the, you know, the Potter yeah, books? Yeah. I, I'll say the one thing you, you touched on, which uh, is like the, the whitewashing of sorts um, of the books. I mean, that is a problem. Absolutely. All of, all of them, the world and kind of in general. Um, there are, are very lack of people uh, see <laughs> people of color in general in the magical mm-hmm. world. Um, I think they tried to fix some of that with the casting in the movies, mm. uh, but I think they uh, there could have been it could have been done better. That's all. Right. So I think I agree with that. Tom, I mean, uh, you read so many quotes. I don't know who they came from and and from what years specifically yeah. because. You know, when these books were coming out, I don't think, or were those criticisms from when the books came out? Those I also cri- stumbled over that word. Those criticism. were, yeah, it's, we're having a hard time with that. Uh, those criticisms, oh, there we go, uh, were, were um, as the books were coming out, so Contemporary. not the movies, with, okay. with their publishing, yeah. Got it. I mean, yeah, there were, there were parts that were kind of reductive, but I, again, I agree with Victoria, it was the earlier books especially what really sold me on the series was how it seemed that she had a plan from the beginning so even what seemed so insignificant at the beginning of the series paid off at the end and and she was clearly aware of that the whole time i believe she had spreadsheets many many spreadsheets to keep track of all of these people characters objects and i I think it's also like just the basic themes of like Harry Potter coming from a like a terrible place and not knowing his parents or having a bad childhood and things like that and realizing he's yes there's something more about him spoke to a lot of kids and even adults as they started reading it maybe older if they didn't have a great childhood it spoke to them as well and so I think that's another reason that it could kind of go beyond just the pedantic <laughs> she also that she was also about. writing these books not not necessarily to be all cultural touchstones to all people. You know what I mean? She was writing books that were just spinning around in her mind for years and years, and then she put them on paper, and she filled it with things that she personally was living with. I mean, the de- the Dementors are a, a personification of depression that she was going through, and how she saw depression, how they sucked all joy and all hope out of the world as if nothing good good could ever happen again. Like that's her view of depression. So she was developing ideas that she wanted to develop. Yeah. And I think the, what's cool is the magic. I think what speaks to a lot of people and what spoke to me as a, like a teenager reading the books was that the magic was always, it didn't take place in like a different world it takes place in our world so it's like the idea that magic exists in our world contemporary to us just if we know where to look for it 
and I really liked that as a kid. Yeah, I can't really think of another series that's like Harry Potter, and part of it's the school setting. Um, I'm also a sucker for like a school setting, like if a video game is set in a school or whatever, I'm like, oh, cool, you know, like Starfleet Academy, I'm on board, you're in a school setting, I am there for you. Um, so, it's classic. It, it's yeah. a classic trope. Yeah. Here's another thing, a, a, a huge counterpoint to all of those criticisms is since Harry Potter, every other series has tried to emulate Harry Potter. They've they've even referenced Harry Potter in the scripts sometimes. Who do you think you are, Harry Potter? You've heard <laughs> that in shows. Like it has become cultural just like DNA mm-hmm. for for all of us. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like when you read Harry Potter, like a lot of the criticisms were derivative or blah blah blah. And like when I read when I read Game of Thrones, I could see a lot of high fantasy Tolkien you know, maybe even a little like Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman uh, in George R. R. Martin's stuff. Um, but when I read Harry Potter, I really couldn't think of anything like it. Um, are they calling it derivative that there are elves? Oh, ah, they didn't invent a new race? Yes, elves and goblins and, and giants and trolls. I mean, yes, those are all things from folklore. I wouldn't call that derivative. That's just... Sure. Well, I think a lot of fantasy is based on folklore, like you said, and a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the creatures that appear in Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling has pulled from some sort of mythology, and a lot of other fantasy does that same thing. It also, they generally follow, like, a similar story structure, like, it's generally some type of hero's journey, and so you naturally get that in, in all fantasy. Uh, not that I've read like a ton of it, but from what I have read, there are, it's all that. There's always a chosen one. There's always like they're always going on some sort of journey. You know, they have to grow and use magic, and there's yeah, elves absolutely. and stuff. <laughs> um, none of us are the none of us are the age to have grown up with Harry Potter. Like we were all. I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure we were all adults. When the when the books were coming out, or like at adulthood, like we didn't. I, I was not. I was I was uh, fourteen. Oh, when the first one came out. Oh my so. goodness. Well, I was ex- I was exactly eleven. I think when the first one. came I out. I mean, we were seventeen and sixteen when the first one came out. Oh, that's I just true. did not read them until after we graduated. Sure, college. that's true. So, that's- well, I think yeah. I was thinking because I always considered myself like too old to be into them because not everyone my age was i remember like being in high school and like half of us were into it and the other half were like why are you reading kids books so i feel like i was right on the cusp whereas if you talk to someone like i don't know like five years younger Honestly, than me mm-hmm. it, yes. it might be like completely ubiquitous like there's there's like it. a cultural blind spot whenever anyone's in college because they're really busy so they <laughs> there's like three years where they're not really paying attention and we caught up as soon as college ended we started reading these books that were a cultural phenomenon at that time 2003 i didn't <laughs> when did you <laughs> when did you read so, them so I, w- th- I, I was actually just about to ask everybody this question when did you first experience harry potter <laughs> uh so here's my harry potter journey so i was not aware of harry potter until the movie started coming out and somebody was like oh yeah it's like some new kids fantasy i was like oh okay cool and i wrote it off I immediately wrote it off. I think I may have seen the movie in theater. Uh, I truly don't remember, but I did not read the books. Um, And I wrote the series off for a very long time. Um, 
And then I started working at a bookstore uh, right after Order of the Phoenix had come out. And that was just crazy. Like I had never seen such hype and like lines of people like I did for that book release. I, that and was I, like, 2003. That was that, June 2003, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is when, when we I graduated working. college. Oh, I still hadn't read the book. I, I still <gasps> okay, have not okay. read the book yet. <laughs> um, I was just like, I was just like surprised. And I was like, oh, I've seen this for movies. I've seen this for Star Wars. I've seen this for video games. I've not seen this for a book. That's so weird to me. Uh, and then I didn't read the book. Uh, <laughs> and then a really good, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who put me onto Battlestar Galactica was like, hey, you should give Harry Potter a try. And she was right about Battlestar. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Uh, yeah, and I read the first book and I really liked it. And then just went down the rabbit hole uh, and caught up with the rest of the world, which was to say I read book six, Dumbledore died, spoiler alert, um, and and eagerly awaited book seven. And then Okay, like, so, so by, by 2006, Five or six. Five or six. Five or six. You I, were caught up. Caught okay. Up. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my journey with it. And then, like the rest of the world, read the final book when it came out, saw the movies, and yeah. So, what is what are your experiences with Harry Potter? Well, I will say, oh. I sorry. No, go for it. <laughs> I um, I I was like fourteen, like between middle and high school that summer is when I read the first one and it I think the first two were out in the US so it was pretty pretty early on in the Harry Potter world and so I read the first two and then I only had to wait like a month or so before the third one came out and then I was pretty much in and I remember in college I actually would reread Harry Potter just what I think the the first five books were out while I was in college and I would just read they were sort of my comfort in college I would just reread them all the time so I was completely mm-hmm. in the hype to the point where when the final book came out I was in like my first year of adulthood because I remember I was in my first apartment and I went to go I was doing a show and I finished the show, and my boyfriend drove me to Borders Bookstore in Uptown. Those of you who know Chicago. And I picked it. I was there, like, right at 11.30. We ran out of the show, and then I just walked home to my apartment, and I opened it up. So, like, I went from my entire teenagerhood into, like, early adulthood was my Harry Potter journey. Nice. Uh, my other guest, Nick, you were, you were about to jump in, too. Yeah, so I remember, um, I didn't realize now, because I was the same age, because he's 11, right, in the first book. Mm-hmm. I was 11 when right. the first book came out. Um, at least in, not in the U.S., because the U.S. came out a year after right. the U.K. But, so the, uh, and I didn't, I was like you, Chris, I did not read them. Uh, I didn't, I remember the book coming out and people being, it being a big thing, but I never really read that many books in elementary school through high school. Um, and... Started watching the movies, loved the movies, and it wasn't until it was my senior year of high school, I think, when uh, Half Blood Prince came out, and everyone was losing their minds with the end of that book, and it was because like all my f- new friends in college were reading that and was getting were getting into it. They're like, "Oh, you have to read it." So then I powered through and got through all the books by the time the last book came out in two thousand seven, 
So, yeah, I powered through. I was a late bloomer too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Harry Potter, but which made me, I think, appreciate them a bit, maybe a bit more, because mm-hmm. I could take it all at once, and I also didn't have to wait years between reading books. Yep. Uh, Binge a book. Tom, what about you? I didn't read them too much earlier than than you, uh, Nick. I, I I mean, I caught up in 2003, which is when Order of the Phoenix was released, because I was in a, a show where I had a very, I was in South Pacific, and I was Arbison, and he's in like one scene at the end, which is great. And they gave me so much free time backstage, so I literally caught up on all five of those first books in the like three weeks, um, and then I had to wait from then on for the rest of the books. It was yeah, I was I was immediately really really into them. I loved them. So are let me let me pose this question: Are are these books? when you're talking to someone and, and you find out that they read and whatnot and they and maybe they say they haven't read Harry Potter, are these books books that you gladly promote? Uh, are they must-reads? Like, are they in a top 10 or a top 5 list for you? I mean, I think so. They're really accessible. They're really... They're fun. They're really fun to read. They have very universal truths in them. I mean, they're great books. Yeah, it's a, and it's a unique world that she created. And like, there's so many things nowadays in pop culture that reference back to Harry Potter that I'm like, I think it's it's like not ever seeing Star Wars, and you're like, you're gonna get so many inside jokes now. <laughs> yeah, you kinda, yeah, it's like that. It's like you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, I I do recommend them. I try not to push my fandoms on other people because I'm not nerdy about a ton of stuff, but what I am nerdy about, I can be like really into and. So I recognize that not everyone lives their life that way, and it's probably healthier not to. So <laughs> I try not to push, nah. but I do recommend them. Like you both said, they're accessible, they're easy to read, and it's a really great story. It's really engaging. Um, it's a great, if you need to like wind down before bed, it's a great series to pick up. I did the same thing as you, Victoria. As I was waiting for the last two books to come out, I would just constantly listen to the first five, just on repeat, I, mm. I had the audiobooks uh, read by Stephen Fry, by the way. I prefer Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, you to mentioned you read them backstage. They're great backstage books. I yes. remember, like, playing, uh, I was playing a maid in, like, a hugely long checkoff play. So I just came on and off stage, like, a couple times. So I had so much backstage time. It's a yeah. great backstage book. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be, like, where it was hard for me to focus on, like, things I really had to work on, you know? Uh, I went to acting school, not to brag. So uh, there was always, like, lots of, like, scene work. You had to, and I had a really hard time doing that backstage while another play was going on. So I just read Harry Potter on a loop. It's, it, like, I don't think they're, um, they're not difficult books to read. And I say that as a compliment. I, 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 sometimes people use it as a criticism where it's like, oh, it's, it's an easy read. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I've never really understood that. Now, I'm not a voracious reader, so I don't want something to be quote unquote difficult to read, like the Silmarillion. Oh my God. Um, but even like, but even it's like, like reading the Bible. Yeah, but even like Tolkien, like, dear Lord, I do not need to hear how the description about the door that much. I don't care. Um, yeah. Or even like George R. R. Martin, like, don't, don't put me into a character who is posing as something else 
whose real name we don't find out. To, like, I, I get why you're doing it, but oh my God, there's a reason people drop off we're, at book we're four. listing the ingredients <laughs> of the feast. Yes. Like a long <laughs> page. Um, I, some people eels. love that, but that's never resonated with me. Like it's, it's Jack w- London would love to do that too. He would just describe snow for a page. I mean, oh God. Oh my God. Sure. I, I recently got back into um, The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. I don't there know if go. any of you have read those. And it's mm-hmm. very, he was actually buddies with George R.R. R. Martin. So I have not read the um, Song of Ice and Fire. But I, I understand there's a similar writing style there. It's like very heightened and like lots of descriptions of like women's clothing and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Look, every every author uh, has a bit of an a... obsession, you know, I, and it just depends on what theirs is. I think J.K. Rowling had obsessions. She obsessed about little tiny details like the vanishing cabinet. Like that sure. was something she just obsessed over she's like i'm going to put this in book two and then in book six it's going to have a payoff that'll be important for the the entire world of the wizarding world i mean you know she that to her is is fascinating rather than you know jelly the eels yeah and i (laughs) i do really love the world like the i one of the things that i love about harry potter is the world building Mm. and all of that doesn't need a whole lot of like flowery language to describe but it's so detailed and it's so like you it just puts you right there you don't have to think too hard about it like you said chris i mean that in a good way you're just there in the world and you can you can see it she does a really fantastic job of of just opening up the world and like escalating i think this is why goblet of fire is a lot of people's favorite books the mm-hmm. book is is called Now We Learn About Other Schools for a Brief Time. And we see this mm-hmm. tournament, and oh my gosh, um, versus like, again, it's, and it's just because it's fresh in my mind, like Game of Thrones, I feel so, you know, like the faceless men, like, oh my God, why are we, Arya's over here now? And what is, this is a weird thing that's going on in the Golden Company. Like he sometimes, uh, and I don't know if it's because uh, Martin, does he have his book mapped out? Do we know? Like Tom, you mentioned she like At had this a point, spreadsheet. I don't know. I don't think I, uh-huh. I think he had some idea, but it got changed. He changed it based on the TV show. He started to get ideas uh, from the TV show. I, I remember right. somebody when I was reading uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, Tom, it may have been you. They they mentioned the character Sirius Black, and. Uh, his motorcycle, and I think I thought it was yeah. you, Tom. Like pointed out to me, he's like, "Oh, go back to the first book. Yeah. That's that's his motorcycle that Hagrid rides Hagrid, in on." And he if mentions you go back to the, he mentions it. Yeah, he mentions, he mentions it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my God, oh, yeah. you were right." Like, Black that's is such one of my cool... all-time favorite characters. In yeah, the whole series. He's a good one. I love him. Yeah. I I'm partial to uh, Lupin mm. over Sirius. Yeah, honestly, I love Lupin too. So we have Padfoot, Mooney. Who were the other two? Wormtail. Uh, Tongs was James. And Tongs, and right. Tongs was James. And James. Pettigrew was Wormtail. <laughs> the Marauder's Map, which they also don't address in the movies. The Marauders, the Marauders, sorry. Mm-hmm. They are the four, those are the four Marauders. They created yeah. the Marauder's Map. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I'm sure we'll feature. talk a little bit about the movies. Uh, but I, in thinking about it more and more and just thinking about storytelling in general and how like media is being made today as opposed to like back in the late 90s when they started making the movies is I just think when we're adapting things we're like I have 
am adapting big stories, but when like people in the media are adapting things, I really just think we need to stop adapting things before they're be they're finished being written. Mm. Because like, well, we all know what happened with Game of Thrones. It's still the books still aren't done. And then um with Harry Potter, I think the movies are fine, but they're very um they they don't flow like there's so many different directors there's not like one consistent style and then because the books weren't finished even though jk rowling was involved and like in the production of the movies and in the writing of the movies to kind of say like you should keep this in because it'll be important later things like that uh, when you're adapting things always have to get cut out and if you have a picture of the entire series you can decide from the beginning, okay, we're going to keep this storyline, we're going to end up dropping this storyline. So you're not forced to, like, bring in a character and then not know how to use them later and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that that's how I feel about about just the movies and adaptation in general. I, mean, I think, yeah, the, the last, like, the last four, though, I think are the best just not from a strict movie standpoint mm-hmm. because... The books are already out, yeah, and it's the same director for like the last four. So there's there's a constant style, there's a constant vision, and it I think it shows more than the original ones where it is kind of a little all over the place, especially stylistically. I'm like, what yeah. are we doing right now? I, I agree with you. I do think there is more of a consistent vision, but there's a lot of stuff cut out of the sixth movie that ends up being important that's a big book like it's a big book and (laughs) i think with that particular movie they did like the teen angst really well but like that movie is basically a rom-com with like (laughs) with a depressing ending (laughs) right like if your favorite teacher got murdered yes spoilers sorry if you've not read the books i'm so sorry it's just like why movies kind of felt like book reports in a lot of ways like it just felt like oh we got to show this part we have to show this part like okay here's an example of where the movies really fell short dobby Mm -hmm. we really care about dobby in the books because he shows up regularly like we see him all the time he's always helping out and for some reason they just didn't show him from book or movies two to six and then he dies and we're all supposed to care also i just didn't like the cg of dobby it was that's fair. Sure. Well, any I mean, other yeah. color, he shouldn't the have been first flesh colored. I think that was movie, the problem. I think the, right? <laughs> that's what really disturbed. <laughs> well, blue, blue. If you put it, if you put it in perspective, I mean, the first few movies were coming out at the same time as like Attack of the Clones, so like that's where we were CGI yes. wise at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, I will. I just because we've drifted a bit into the movies, I'm so happy we do not spend as much time with Quidditch. I understand people love Quidditch. I don't love Quidditch. Like I loved it at first, but as the stakes started rising and rising, I was like, why do we care about this floating soccer game? Like what? We care why? about Quidditch only because in the books, we get to live in the head of Harry Potter. Yes. We hear all of his thoughts and all of his thing, all of his correlations between his life experience and the game that we're watching, but you can't really do that. In yeah. the movie, all you're watching is a CG sports game, and that's not that's not nearly as it's fun. It's not interesting. I yeah. wonder. I do wonder if she would have kept her publication schedule if the movies had not come out, because she did release every book, like all the books were out before the movies came out. But once they started doing the movies, like a time clock had been set, and it was like, yeah. oh, is she going to get them all out the door? But she did. 
Like God, she did what she did. Why doesn't she send George R. R. Martin a letter on how to do that? Because <laughs> clearly she got some information he is not aware of. He did, yeah, I don't, he I don't know. Well, I do remember there was between the fourth and fifth book, uh, there was the three um, years, right? Yeah, like a three year. That was wait, the longest we had which to wait. Which was the longest, and we and were it was, furious. And she did ask for. She was like, "For my like mental health, I need this time." And which I I respect her, you know, and at that time, but like, it was also like, okay, so this huge ending to the fourth book, like Voldemort is back. And then you have to wait three years to find out what was happening. Like it was insane. So I remember that. I I remember that. That's when I was obsessively listening to the first five books, like on repeat over and over and over again. Flipping nerd. Or first four books. Nerd. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so it's the name of the podcast, Chris. It really is. It really is. Uh, I would like to know is for for your, for all of my guests here is Harry Potter your your number one nerd love? Like when you put it up against Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. I mean, is because I know people who like this is their thing, and that's great. Like I think that's lovely. I just didn't know if that was for you, any of you, if it was that. I mean, I have so many. Yeah, I have so many nerddoms. Uh, I mean, Star Wars is so up there for me um but i think harry potter because it touches to my childhood and it's closer to my heart to be corny uh it means a bit more to me as a nerdum but i honestly jump yeah. around you know I, there was a time when harry potter was my like number one but not currently doesn't mean i don't love it just like mm-hmm. your brain can only handle so much okay. so uh, it's not currently up there right now. I'm more in, in Star Wars land. But. Okay, Tom, what what about you? No, I think like Star Wars, Star Trek are more mm, integral to me as a person. Though I really, really love Harry Potter. Uh, we just do not have enough time to discuss every character in these books. Um, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you a two-part question, everyone. Uh, part one, is Harry Potter himself your favorite character? If so, why? If not, who is your favorite character and why do you love that character? Boom. Tom, you go first. Ha ha. Harry Potter is a pretty great character in the books. I really do. Let's just talk about the books i mean because again you get to live in his head you get to hear what he thinks you get to grow up with him you get to i mean in book five and six he becomes downright annoying like he's a little brat like he's going through stuff and it's real it feels real i really like the character i mean no other character really gets developed that much you know i mean i do Hmm. like hermione um i feel like I can't, I'm trying to even think of a like big growth moment for Hermione. You guys help me out. She was always kind of who she is, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. that's a shame. That's a shame. I think she <laughs> for, grew a lot as a writer. person. I mean, she was always very smart, and that sort of right. stayed throughout. 
but I think she grew a lot as a person at the Yule Ball hmm. uh, in book four. Yeah. She gets invited by Victor Crumb and just okay. like That's eviscerates Ron, like eviscerates Ron. Oh yeah, uh, That's which I I appreciate. I think uh, as the as the woman of the podcast no, uh, for tonight. I would uh, say that's really awesome. And like being in her head during that time, uh, like I can't imagine being 14 and like dealing with like a hot older guy asking me to a dance that would have never happened. But also just like dealing with that. And then like your friend who you like sort of have feelings for is just like not where you are. And being able to like have the wherewithal to just take him down the way she does Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. Yeah. And Hermione goes from like a kind of an insufferable know-it-all to just a very intelligent woman like it like the way she addresses her knowledge she doesn't she doesn't downplay it at any point it's just she just talks about it differently and maybe that's more of everyone just expecting it of her after a while maybe it's everyone else's yeah views on it but i feel hermione's kind of the ray of the series like (laughs) she's just really useful all the time um, especially yeah. like near the end of the books, um, when yeah. they're like running. Harry should go nowhere without her. No, <laughs> no, you do not need Ron. Oh, no. Not really. I love Ron. You don't she's need like him. He's like Spock. Like yeah, he's, he's Spock. You need her to tell you yep. what's going on at all times. Um, yeah. But yeah. she's also not just the most. It's like she's she is very intelligent as a character, but she 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 just has a lot of wisdom. I feel for her age, or at least she develops wisdom. Mm. Um, Victoria, I think you're. Tom, you both have kind of, like, speaking to her specifically, I think a lot of her development is tied to Ron. Like, they, you know, like, Harry, the more you bring it up, Tom, I feel, is maybe the only one who changes a lot. Well, I mean, it's unfair to to judge it that way because we, right, Neville too, Neville too. But I'm saying we live in Harry's mind. It's kind of like from his perspective. So we get to see his, his growth far more than we see. Neville is a great character and what he has to go through after no- learning what his parents what his parents suffered the grimmest not children's book like <laughs> and thing to happen to anyone yeah. <laughs> I mean woof. uh Tom I, w- yeah. I would like to before I jump to the other two just follow up real quick you mentioned Harry is your favorite in the books so do you not like because Daniel Radcliffe again no no I love Daniel Radcliffe he really went there a lot of the time. Did, did anyone else read? I learned last night he like apologized to the fans because in book in movie six, he spent a lot of the time filming being drunk. Did you know this? <laughs> I did hear oh, about no. that. <laughs> I I never knew that. Like from watching the movie, it's not obvious. But he apologized <laughs> to everyone. But be, but I take that at, I take that as a credit to him as an actor. Like he he came in as a complete non-actor like as a child most of those kids were not actors and the original director whose name eludes me at the time it's uh, chris columbus thank you columbus he basically taught these kids how to act and then those kids got to act with people like maggie smith and you know like i mean richard harris alan rickman yeah (laughs) so they became great actors and and i think that you know I think Harry Potter, the movie version of Harry Potter is great, but you can't, there's no voiceover, so you don't really hear what's going on in his head. No, it's, a bunch of stuff is, is 
left out and i think you lose a lot of character development for everyone in the film i mean which is kind of mandatory for most movies but you know yeah i love harry potter because of the books not because of the movie yeah uh victoria the mic is yours is harry himself your favorite character or is it somebody else and why harry is not my favorite character and on it this is my I, I just have really no, I don't care for a chosen one, <laughs> just in general. Like, I, like, in Star Wars, I, I'm like, Luke Skywalker is great, but, like, let me hear about the other people. So, <laughs> I just, uh, I, not that he's not a great character, because he absolutely is and does, has so much growth and is so amazing uh, towards the end, especially with, with everything that, he does and I mean he's a great character but just in general I as a reader understand like what a chosen one's gonna do like I get his I get what's going on uh with him so I'm just much more interested in other characters so I would say I my probably my favorite character is Molly Weasley the Weasley mother um I think I would argue she is the bravest of all of them because you actually see her fears in there. Like, there's a line, I think it's from Game of Thrones, where it's like something, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, in order to be brave, you have to be scared first. Yes. And we see her greatest fear because you see her boggart and it's her entire family dead in the war, somewhere in the middle of the series. She's got we, that damn clock on the wall, which shows all of her kids constantly in peril or not. Yeah, and it would be so easy for her to just, That's like, traumatic. take her family and say, like, let's go. Let's get out of the country. Let's just peace out till this war is over. And she stays and just sort of mothers everyone and takes care of everyone. And then in the end, just gets in that battle. And, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Completely fucks up Bellatrix, and I love it so much. <laughs> it was when I got like, and she's just like, "Not my daughter, you bitch!" and just takes her out. It is such an amazing moment. I love it so. Just like how much she cares for her family is so amazing. So she's probably my favorite. Uh, I will also give an honorable mention just because this is the character I see myself as, which I realized after not having read it since I was in my early 20s and then picking it up again in my 30s to read it. I uh, I identify as a Madame Rosemurta, who is the, uh, the bartender who owns the, um, the three <laughs> broomsticks. She's described as curvy. She likes beer. Uh, and she is, like, easily hoodwinked by some, like, cute dark wizards, which I think would also be me. <laughs> She's also described as wearing sparkly heels all the time, which, if I were a witch and could curse my feet to never hurt, uh, I would only wear sparkly heels. <laughs> Doesn't Hagrid have a thing with her a little? I feel like a lot of people have a thing with Probably. her. Uh, Probably. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not relevant. <laughs> no, um, oh man, I I had forgotten about the clock of children that Molly Weasley had. Like that's that like little that like cute little level of detail. And I think maybe they show it in the movie, but it's definitely something that stands out in the book way more. Like mm. I love yeah. 
I love stuff like you that. You know she's constantly watching that thing, like yes. all the time. All the time. If yeah, you had no. that, Chris, you would look at it at all times. All I think time. Melissa would love to buy one of those. So <laughs> Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um A Nick, good insight. What about you? Who's your is Harry your favorite character or is it somebody else? Oh, then it's not. No, I mean I, I know. I'll, I'll, I mean, besides what Tom said, I mean, yes, that's that's our point of view. He's our window into the story. But uh, it's for me, um, it's kind of between Neville, who I think arguably grows the most incredible character from being like this incredibly timid and scared little kid. The other chosen the, one. The other chosen one, exactly. But he grows more than Harry does. Harry's already brave. Harry's already already has these characteristics in him when he even gets to Hogwarts. So, and Neville is none of those things when he first starts. Uh, so I like that about Neville, but also kind of along the same lines as Draco Malfoy. Oh, I was gonna say Draco. I like the complexity. Oh, yeah. The complexity of Draco is is amazing to me. And actually, like the Malfoy family, well, not really Lucius, but the Narciss- like the Narcissa and Draco, both at different times save Harry Potter's life. And sometimes he doesn't even know that they're saving his life. It's just like, I don't know. I dig Draco. He's complex, man. And it's like well, he, he has to a go terrible. So much. He also has he a. Has to go through a lot. He has yeah. the opposite terrible childhood that Harry had. Mm-hmm. He has his parents, but he doesn't identify with them. They're on a different path than he is. He doesn't want to be it, but he doesn't know how to separate himself from them. As opposed to Harry, who wants nothing but to connect with his parents. It's just different. Yeah, I don't like it. I will say one thing I do really love about the movies is Jason Isaac's portrayal of <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. Oh, I think he's so perfect. fantastic. Perfect. Oh so smarmy. Oh, yes. No. And actually, he that makes me laugh out loud in the final movies when he's just like ashamed. And just something about the way he plays it is so funny because he like so earnestly wants to be back in the gang and like is so not. Yeah. And he plays that really well. There's also something sad about it, too. It is. You're just like, oh, how far <laughs> you've fallen. Oh. Um,. Just because you invoked his name earlier, Nick, you mentioned Alan Rickman. Um, is and it's, we've drifted a bit onto the movies. Uh, is this uh, Alan Rickman's best role? Hmm. Ooh. I know he's done a lot. I of don't them. know anybody else could. I don't know about that. I don't know anyone else that could have played Snape. Besides, maybe like maybe nowadays, if they went backwards, maybe like an Adam Driver could be Snape. Mm, but yeah. um, is it his? I don't know. No, he's Hans Gruber too. So, um. <laughs> no, yeah. We yeah. Know the universe where Hans Gruber is. It's probably That's not tough. Alan Rickman's best performance, but he was the best person for Snape. Oh, that makes sense. he chewed There's it a up, lot of man. People he chewed it up. Who may never ever know him as anything else? That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what else could yep. they know him from since then? Nothing. At yeah, all. Yeah. My only critique of it is that he was him and most of the other staff are just too old. Like almost all the adults in those movies. Are yeah. Oh yeah, just he was supposed old. to be like twenty five years younger or something. However, yeah, I, yeah, ever since the in their thirties, first movie, every book I read in my mind's eye, it was always Alan Rickman from that point forward. Like he was such yep. a perfect yeah. Snape that it was just always him well, I, saying the I words. I think all of the other characters that were like supposed to be his age, like Lupin and and Sirius and everyone, they basically I think they aged everyone up because they wanted Alan Rickman, is what I heard. 
I don't know if that's true. Fair enough. But, like, he was cast, he was the perfect saint. They were that's like, well, fine. we're just going to have everyone match him. <laughs> um, yeah. I know these stories are primarily about Harry and his, and his friends and the students, but, I mean, we are in a school, uh, and there are many adults. Um, obviously, Dumbledore is kind of posed as the um, Gandalf figure, you know, um, even gets the sacrifice play uh so like who are your favorite like adulting wizards uh, victoria i think you mentioned lupin earlier yeah i love lupin but actually uh, he's probably my favorite of the marauders okay but i my favorite teacher is mcgonagall like 100 <laughs> percent. played by maggie smith we should say like perfectly by maggie smith but also just in the books like anytime sassy mcgonagall comes out i am so happy um but yeah, well, that's, yeah she's that's another thing the movie downplayed is yeah like the relationship between mcgonagall and harry like how much mm -hmm. mcgonagall cares about harry mm -hmm. and what she'd done for harry and they kind of they basically leave it out of the anytime like, yeah anytime <laughs> she like doesn't like another person like with trelawney or like to a bigger extent professor umbridge but like uh but particularly her like deal with trelawney I find so funny. She's just like, I want to say how much I think this class and this woman is trash, but I can't because I'm a proper lady, but you can like absolutely tell. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> My other guests, what about the other uh, grown-ups in the wizarding world of Harry Potter? Is there one that stands out to you? And Sirius, Sirius Black is amazing. Yep. And again, that, that casting's solid, too. I mean, like, Gary Oldman, for having some troubled things in his personal life, uh, Gary Oldman was, he's so he's so charming, and we barely get to see him, and everyone loves him. And yeah. it's, yeah, when he's not being a fireplace or, a, <laughs> you know, yeah. other, other inanimate objects. Can we but. just say real quick that the movies were almost, not perfectly cast, but damn near close like very I, well I like like yeah. even like I had a very different uh, image in my head of Professor Slughorn, but Jim Broadbent just Umbridge totally was incorrect. Great. Umbridge should have been a short, fat woman. Period. I mean, Dolores Umbridge was a toad-like character from the books. I thought that was a mistake. They could yeah, have. Yeah, I think she but... was. I, I think she was really amazing, though. Um, oh, no, no. She was great. The acting. No, I, I never hated any character more in the series than Dolores Umbridge, by the way. Like, I hated her more than Voldemort. Yeah. She's pretty wonderful. I think everyone hates Agreed. her more than Voldemort. Right. 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 <laughs> she's so terrible. When she gets carried uh, away by the centaurs, it's like, good. May good. you suffer yeah, a slow death. Yeah, I know. Death. I hope it's horrible. I hope it's horrible. Oh. Yeah. I think the only casting that I was... And it's hard because you're rolling the dice, especially with child actors. Oh, yeah. Like, how are they going to grow up? How's how's you know, um, uh, puberty going to hit them? How is any of this going to work out? But the Ginny, uh, yeah. Bonnie, I can't Bonnie Wright, Bonnie, Bonnie, Wright, Bonnie yeah. not Bonnie Wright, yeah. Um, she, they just have no chemistry. Her and yeah, Danielle. and that one was so yeah. tough because she seems like a delightful, you know, woman. But yeah, yeah. that's it. You're cast so young, and she was even younger you know and so yeah. it's it's They're tough just, i yeah, i agree i, I think she's like what... just a, a, yeah. a very lovely actress but yeah no chemistry and the that yeah. movie that sixth movie really didn't 
do them any favors when it came to the situations they were in and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. No, absolutely not. No. But I think they, I mean, especially with child actors, they lucked out big time big t- on everybody Yeah, else. I think if that's your only, like, oh, this chemistry is weird. If that's your only thing when you hired all these child actors when they were, like, 11 and then had them go through puberty and become teenagers and young adults, like... That, that's pretty amazing. I can't think of a yeah. more stressful casting process than casting the role of Harry Potter. Oh my God. Like, I know. like for, for all sides, like from the casting side, from Daniel Radcliffe's side, like I cannot imagine. Yeah. Well, it was 2001. Yeah. Well, so when it was released, so, right, so presumably. Right, so it was probably like 2000. Or, yeah. or even 99 when 99. they were casting it. And so the stakes were lower two years after the release of the first book, but. In retrospect, yes, that is the most yeah. important Yeah, well, decision. Like the hype was at its height. At, absolutely. Like, when it but came out, this was we like, were ready. This was close to the same time that episode one came out. So mm-hmm. you're casting Jake Lloyd, yeah. you know, and you see oh, that play poor out. Jake so, uh, poor Jake Lloyd. That's a whole other tragic so story. Um, but, like, what, like, I, I think, Nick, you mentioned it. I think we've all maybe said this a few times, but what a really great, like, roll of the dice with who mm. they got, you know? Neville yeah. Longbottom? I mean, have you guys seen what he looks like today? <laughs> oh Holy shit. <laughs> Man. Good for him. Just yeah, like about the a glow character, up. Neville Longbottom. It was yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, but especially, like, the chemistry between those three kids. Yeah. yeah. Like that Luna is, Lovegood that is, was great. Oh, she was great. so fantastic. Oh, the twins were yeah. great. I um, honestly think, yeah. and this is maybe a little bit of my bias coming through, but the fact that they were British actors and living in the living in the UK where like there's certainly the the job of an actor in the UK is just very different here like Mm. they're all like serious actors that's such a dumb way to say it but they're all like for lack of a better term I'm a a lowly American here but like they're they're you know they're serious actors like when I I studied abroad in London and when I would go see a play I saw almost every adult Harry Potter actor in a play while I was there because that's just their culture and they don't have as much of a culture of like Hollywood and stardom as we do here Mm -hmm. so I think the fact that they're British they were British kids and sort of out of that Hollywood world even though it was like a big Hollywood movie I think that probably has something to do with it with yep. how they were able to kind of keep a level head ish Tom we did not get your uh, f- favorite wizarding adult mm, I mean obviously Snape I mean mm. what a great character like it, the payoff for Snape it really I don't know it was still hard for me to swallow just how cruel he was to Harry throughout first five six books you know, like, he didn't have to be that cruel. He also could have very easily let Harry in on the ruse, you know, mm-hmm. without, you know, revealing too much. He could have just been like, look, I might be hard on you in public. Just something like that. I don't know. But, but you know, it was just, it was nice to know that he was good all along. Um, Tom Riddle, guys. I mean, come on. What, <laughs> what an excellent character. I mean, he was born from... Let's talk about how he came to be. His mother grew up in the worst possible hell shed in the middle of the woods, right? Her family was a wizarding family, but had 
suffered, you know, loss and now is like destitute in the woods. She cast a spell on some local kid named Tom Riddle, who was a muggle because she fancied him. And their child is Voldemort, right? Does everyone remember this? And this is why so. Tom Riddle, he doesn't understand love at all. Like that does, it's a concept that doesn't make sense to him. Why would it? His very inception has nothing to do with love whatsoever. So, I mean, he's just a fascinating character, and I really like his whole development. What we see of him, even in book two. Book two is my least favorite book, by the way. I, I just, Chamber of Secrets, it's just the weakest book. But still, you get like, a, you get Tom Riddle. You get to see him and talk to him. I mean, that's, that's Absolutely. great. That's, uh, yeah, I, and this is something where I think the movies shortchange. Uh, it's, there's just so much content, and they just it's don't have much. the time. Yeah, um, but that is a really great kind of quick question. Victoria, Nick, least favorite book? My least favorite is probably also book two. Uh, I mean, I think it sets up a lot of really important stuff. Um, and I still love, I mean, I love the whole series, so I still enjoy it. But it, it's probably my least favorite. Yeah, because the fir- those first two are much more like kids' books. And the first one, you're like getting introduced to the world, and that's exciting. The mm-hmm. second one is a little bit like more the same, but like a little more. And then the third book is where it really kind of changes. So, yeah. yeah, I'd say book two is probably my least favorite. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump on that two train. Sophomore uh, slump! For, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, the, for all the same reasons. It's it's just more of the same. There's not a ton added to it as far as, like, any kind of character or any kind of development. I had a fun the way. world's still the same. You're pretty much all in Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. So you don't get... I had a, the world building. I wanted like to ask you guys a question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, uh, no, if you it. think about the books not as one through seven, think about them broken up into three volumes. And books one through three is volume one. V- books four and five are volume two, and six and seven are volume three. I, I'm, I'm in my mind. I've underdeveloped this entire thought because I just came up with it this morning but I was thinking about it let's correlate them to the Star Wars movies episodes four through six and if you think about the first section is like a new hope there are parts of it that are you know it's okay it's okay I like it you have to get into the world and then like four and five is a lot like Empire Strikes Back like there are elements of Empire Striking Back hard and no one believes that the Empire is even striking back. Like, and, and they have to deal with it kind of on their own until the end of Book 5 and then 6 and 7 coming in Return of the Jedi Return in, in, in parts. I, was, I don't know. It's a very underdeveloped theory. I don't know what you I, I like it. That. I think that, that 4 and 5 are definitely like the Empire. And those are kind of like Harry my favorites. Potter. They're the darkest. They're my favorites too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. It's like I really like those books the best. And six and seven are a lot like you know Jedi because they kind of, you know, they pay off the the first sure. five books. Uh, well, going on that theory, Tom, I know you're still fleshing it out. That's the case. <laughs> who who uh, are the Ewoks in book six and seven? The house elves. I guess. I was gonna say the house elves. <laughs> the house they elves. do come and fight at the end. They're like, they Where are you? do. Yeah. And by the way, how did they ever get subjugated? Their magic is more powerful than wizards explain. Oh my gosh, amazing. Just, just to go off your theory, Tom, uh, real quick, I think I think that's one reason these books are really successful. Not necessarily your Star Wars theory, but like 
<laughs> you, look, you. you look at Ron, <laughs> Hermione, and um, uh, Harry, and it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. It's mm-hmm. Luke, Han, and Leia. Like that oh, yeah. that trio idea. It's a classic. Re- it's a classic, and yeah. it just works. Um, it does. I can't mm-hmm. think of a time when it doesn't really work. I mean, maybe the Star <laughs> Wars sequels, but those have problems. So. Um, oh, and so yeah. do the five movies that have come out after the original eight. Let's not forget them. This is fair. This Fantastic is fair. Beasts and Where to. Oh, save that thought. Save oh, that okay. thought. Again, and I've said this multiple times in this podcast, there's so much to this universe. We haven't touched on Fantastic Beasts, which has already been brought up. We haven't touched touched on Pottermore, which has been brought up. Uh, but let us talk about J.K. Rowling uh, and uh, her unfortunate comments that she didn't make just once, but continues to make to this day. Um, so my, my question to all of you is, like, what? how does Harry Potter go forward in the world that we live in with her author, with it, with its author, you know? And like, it, it's strange now. Like when I, when I hear Harry Potter uttered, when people talk about it, now it's almost like an apology. Like, yeah, I, I like Harry Potter, I'm sorry. Like, uh, which, which I think is a shame. Like, I, I will say that, I, I think that's a shame. I totally understand why it's happening. So like, how does, how does Harry Potter proceed? How does, you know, is its image tarnished can it recover you know what are your what are your thoughts well i think uh i mean i think it it will keep going forward because there are movies in the works Uh, um i i don't know i mean they're talking about broadway reopening i'm not sure if cursed child is reopening but it is i heard it is so Mm -hmm. i mean i think it is moving forward uh whatever fans say i think there are are still a lot of fans that will continue to go see everything that's coming out. I mean, for me personally, it's it's going to be very difficult for me to continue to go see new Harry Potter content that is coming out uh, until J.K. Rowling issues some sort of apology or change of heart, which I don't know if that will happen based on how vehemently she keeps stating her uh you know incorrect opinions that she calls fact um i think when it comes to kind of separating the the art from the artist i think it's really hard to do that um because for example the name of the school of wizard of wizardry uh is hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry it's girl magic and boy magic like it's gendered so which you know you don't even think about i'm sure uh, when she wrote it she wasn't thinking about that she was gendering this because there's no difference in the magic system between men and women but 
you know, she probably just, it sounds nice. It's iambic. It rolls off the tongue. It sounds nice. That's what I'm going to call my school. But you can't separate that. It's there. I think as a fan, you can still enjoy enjoy it, but recognize what's there. Recognize the issues with it. Um, and yeah, I think if you're going to get any new Harry Potter merchandise to buy it used <laughs> get the books from the library get books from a used bookstore get, buy things used um you know and it's hard being one person against this very powerful woman you know who has a lot of yeah. followers and a lot of money so yeah and yeah oh I, may, I, may i say something real quick nick um yeah, i don't it, yeah. i actually don't know the status of the fan base uh, in regards to her, like I, I just have seen her social media and whatnot, and I've seen the world react. I don't know if the Harry Potter fan base is like defending her, or 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 is like, oh, like that crazy uncle you have at Christmas is like, oh God, oh we're so sorry, you know. Like I actually don't know the reaction of the the fan base. I mean, I have to yeah. say that I, I mean, I from the fans I see, no one likes it. No one's on yeah. board with her. But I'm also limited, like people I follow and people I'm friends with on social media, which is where I see it, all agree with me. Like, mm -hmm. if you go on J.K. Rowling's right. Twitter, I'm sure she still has millions of followers. So yeah. that and tells Christians me that people are still Christians canceled J.K. Rowling, like, 15 years ago, so they were already <laughs> not on her side. So I'm not really sure who she's appealing to. Yeah. yeah. What I was going to say is that, I don't know if you all read, like, Daniel Radcliffe's reaction to it and him it was very lovely but was i was like nice. that's that's kind of what i feel about it too it's um i mean i don't want to like misquote it so i actually looked it up uh if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life then that is between you and the book that you read and it is sacred and in my opinion nobody can touch that it means to you what it means to you and i hope that rowling's comments will not taint that too much it's just like it it should her view on it like we were saying earlier in it, it's like it means something to you. Everyone reads the book differently. It means something to them in a different way. And just because the author or creator has a different view on it doesn't mean they're right. The creator of a thing can be wrong about it, too. Yeah. Well, so. I also think, you know, if there's a Harry Potter, an official Harry Potter property at some point in the future that uh, is, showca is showcasing trans people, then I'll go see it. Um, but... Yeah, until then, uh, I'm going to stick with what I already enjoy. Yep. Tom, what about you? I mean, yeah. I mean, the enjoyment that she gave us, she cannot steal from us now. That is, that's just what it boils down to. We don't need to give her any further money. And that's okay, because everything new has been garbage anyway. So that's fine. This Galbraith book of hers with, uh, which troubled blood which one of the villains is a is a serial killer who dresses like a woman is also ill-timed this came out in september it's like hell she, she's very she's made herself seem like a very small person like you know like petty 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 and which kind of contradicts what we thought of her from her stories but that just you know she was telling a classic story maybe not necessarily one where she was the heroine that's okay we can enjoy those stories does there does there need to be any uh further adventures in the world of harry potter or or is the 
are you happy with the series done? And like, it should be live on done as it has been, you know, like we don't know if game of Thrones is going to finish. Uh, we got more star Wars for better and for worse. So do we need more Harry Potter or, or, you know, are we good? I really don't think we need any more official Harry Potter. It just, the story is great as it is. Uh, it has a great ending. You just don't need more. I, I mean, I enjoy like looking at, you know, she built this world out so much. So the fact that like the Pottermore website exists and like Harry Potter wiki exists where you can like look up information on this world that maybe didn't end up in the book. That's really interesting. I will say that there's been a lot of really fun uh, fan created content that is not official Warner Brothers Scholastic Harry Potter own that's really fun. Uh, and I would love to see more of that. Like any like parody and comedy that comes from this universe, I think is really fun. Um, there's a there's a play off Broadway called Puffs that I would highly recommend. I actually saw it the last time I was in New York. People were like, oh, are you going to go see Cursed Child? I was like, no, I'm going to go see this off Broadway play called Puffs instead. That's basically the um, the story of the seven years of Harry Potter told from the Hufflepuff's perspective. Huh. And the Amazing. tagline is something like uh, a story for those who were never meant to save the world or something like that. And it's very funny. And it's actually, it's available on Broadway HD and um, you can like buy or rent it on Amazon. It's amazing. It's like, it's so funny. And they like very cleverly don't use any of the, uh, they avoid the legal trouble very, yeah. very in a very funny and clever way. So. I, that sounds a little bit like when Orson Scott Card did the bean saga where it was like Ender's Game, but now from the point of view of the other character who's not necessarily mm -hmm. as cool. Uh, that's really interesting to me. Huh. I yeah. like the Bean Saga. Oh yeah, Bean Saga is oh. <laughs> the Bean Saga. Um, uh, Tom, what about you? Is is Harry Potter, should we put it to rest? Should it be done or, or should we? I don't think I want to see anything more from J.K. Rowling. I mean, if some other creator came up with an amazing prequel or after, I don't know, it, I would just judge it on its merits. I'd be happy with it. Sure. I really enjoyed uh, The Cursed Child, which I think a lot, of, I think most people did not like. I mean, I kind of liked it because I saw it. I think maybe if you. Well, I loved it. Oh, that's okay, what you I've like heard. It. I didn't see it. I've heard when you see it, it's great. I it was read fun. the script. It, it was yeah. fun. That is the difference. I, I saw it as well. Yeah, so. It felt nice. Yeah. To, honestly, it felt like watching more of these characters that I missed for, for a long time. So it was actually. It was kind of wonderful. I mean, I mean, just to spoil the plot, you they they use time turners to kind of like go back in time. So they relive a lot of the moments you're very familiar with from the previous books, um, which is very nice to see. Fun, fun like see. like Avengers Endgame. Kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All Snape right. Snape gets to okay. learn kind of. that uh, that Harry named his child after him like oh, that like oh, oh. like in an alternate timeline yeah it's, even it's, in reading it when you're like this is weird to read it's the, bullshit to read snape, like i'm sure yeah the snape scene i also i think most people reading it are not actors or performers and so as an actor you read scripts all the time so you're like i i can see where they're going with this and like i understand it's not going to read yep. on the page <laughs> when i see it but even reading it that snape scene 
like stands out. Yeah, I mean, there were some great moments. There were some great. There were some r- ridiculous moments too. I mean, whatever, it's fine. I mean, just there were contradictions from the original books. Like you didn't read the books quite as carefully as you should have. Like that sort of stuff. Like time turners are supposed to make you age the equivalent of the time you pass forward in time, but they go back like forty years or thirty years, so they should be much much older when they come back in time. Oopsie daisy. Uh, I don't. I don't want to end this podcast uh, with sadness or regret. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna pose a fun question here. A fun question of love to get us back to love. Um, and then I'll go. I also think oh. that that that, uh, that that there should. I think actually there should be more Harry Potter, oh. but not from J.K. Rowling. So I agree with Tom. Is that possible? Like she is. It's hers, right? Like it is hers. Well, she. Owns I mean, yeah, but kid. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't have George Lucas. Yeah involved anymore right she would have you to know, willingly like, pass the torch the which, way george lucas let's face it you could give her enough money to go away it's fine go away yes i mean i honestly <laughs> don't think yeah. she cares that much about the money uh i think she really cares about these characters and owning these characters Ugh. i mean I, I, yeah. I before our podcast i was just curious and her net worth is one billion dollars like she is the richest author ever yeah, um, and she's very philanthropic. Like she's given yes. a lot of her money away. Yeah. So. Oh, that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. To then organizations that Twitter. disagree with her politics, a great yep. deal. It's yeah. so strange. It's yep. very strange. Yep. Um, so let's try and in li- this podcast in the realm of love. Uh, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to pose this question and then go check on my daughter to give you a moment to think about this. Um, if there is a facet of Harry Potter, the universe that you could enjoy like going to school with one of the kids, using a magic item, learning from a teacher, like what what would that facet be? time is up does anybody wish to go first to buy time for the other people thinking i'll go because i was just saying i think mine's kind of boring just oh. very practical all right but it i would want to be able to operate oh yeah because ah. commuting I, I mean takes so long so yeah avoid the train uh avoid traffic operating yes 100 percent. i'd save so much time but my fun one is I would really like to get drunk with Hagrid. I think that would be really fun. He gets drunk so much. He seems like a very fun drunk. I want to get drunk with Hagrid. Uh, Victoria, I didn't even think about this until you brought up like apparating, but I want to give a shout out to uh, Papa Weasley and his obsession with like muggles and like, oh, you actually drive. That's so interesting. Oh, you use a toilet. How does that, you know, like I like like, his obsession with normal things is so fascinating. I just had to shout that out. Okay, great. We're, there we go. Uh, Nick, Tom, either of you got this? This is so bizarre. Uh, Victoria, mine are basically the same. <laughs> so apparate was 
was the basic one. Also my and mine was thought. getting drunk with somebody, but it but it was Slughorn because he seems sloppy and it's funny to me, so I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, my issue with getting drunk with Slughorn would be fun. he does it's the sloppy thing. I'm like, ugh, am I gonna have to drag you? to bed and i'm not magic yeah. but like <laughs> what? fair but i'm a slytherin so i like All i right. wanted to get drunk with another slytherin that's not draco malfoy there you go. so don't get drunk with draco malfoy <laughs> don't that no. Would, no no one get drunk with draco malfoy please <laughs> uh tom what about you uh i would like a room of requirement please thank you <laughs> oh mm, oh my good one. choice yeah. Do you, is there something you're in need of in this room currently nothing right now but maybe later maybe i mean later. okay that's obvious that's the best answer so i'll just move on from there i mean uh <laughs> I, I mean going to the wizarding going to hogwarts i mean that would be awesome obviously i think i think every american kind of fantasizes about living in hogwarts and going growing up there um and that luck potion what's it called felix barrett ah uh, yes felix the, the something mm-hmm. like that yeah that potion, yep, just, a, just a dram of that, perchance. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Tom, that was my answer. Is, is the luck potion? I love. Yeah. I love that moment in book six. I love how Daniel Radcliffe does it in the Slug movie. Um, oh, yeah. I I just I just love the idea of the luck potion and like it's setting you on your path. So I would love to like take a shot of luck potion on yep. a Monday and just see what happens. And things happen <laughs> good for you you didn't even think about like that. Right. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, with all that said, we must bring our Harry Potter discussion to a close. Uh, we may have to do a sequel sometime to touch Ooh, on all yeah. the many things we didn't touch on. Um, so real quick, everyone, let's go around and where can people find you? What are, you know, things you're working on? Promote your stuff. What, you know, what, what is going on in your lives and where can people send Harry Potter mail towards you? <laughs> if uh, you want. Yes. Please, I'll go first, because actually, I, I begged to come on to promote my show. So, um, my uh, I'm putting up the world premiere of my solo show, uh, which is called The Princess Strikes Back, One Woman's Search for the Space Cowboy of Her Dreams. It's about how my childhood crush on Han Solo has affected the rest of my dating life. Um, it's very funny. It will premiere July 9th and 10th, and it will be live-streamed from the Rivendell Theater in Chicago. So you don't have to come live. You can watch from wherever you are. It's only $15 uh, for a fully staged production in your living room. Uh, And I will be wearing Princess Leia's gold bikini. I had it specially made in plus size, so hooray. (laughs) Uh, And you can find information on that on my website, which is victorianotvicky.com. You can also follow me on social media, I'm at notvicky4 on Twitter and Instagram. And I, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I have very few followers. It's very sad. Uh, if it's not uncool to beg, like, please follow me. <laughs> so, I'm not annoying, but I'll be posting a lot about this show, but not in an annoying way. <laughs> what? When are the dates of the show again, Victoria? The show's July 9th and 10th. It's at 7.30 uh, p.m. Central Time. Um, okay. But also, if you're unable to come at the exact time, it will be uploaded and available to ticket holders until July 16th. So if you can't come, you'll still be able to watch it on Perfect. your own time. 
this podcast should be out before then, so go see Victoria's show. And if this podcast is for some reason out after then, then go read the reviews of Victoria's show. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, Nick, Tom, what about what about the two of you? Go for it, Tom. Oh, okay. Uh, I live in New York. Uh, nothing is happening here until September, October. Until then, you can check me out on socials Tom Brown 3. T H O M B R O W N 3. What's going on in September and October? Nothing is happening then either, actually, Chris. I was just trying to make it sound like there might be something. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Oh, no, no. No, I'm saying, like, Broadway is opening up in September. Oh, okay. Because I live in New York. It sounded a little dire, so I was just making sure. Well, there's a pandemic on. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You voted today, so good job. I did. Yay. I braved the pandemic and rank choice voted for mayor. <laughs> nice. Nick? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, so I'm working on things that I can't talk about yet uh, professionally. And uh, I should have just said for that. funsies. That's so much uh, better, Nick. You can... <laughs> uh, gotta love NDAs. Uh the, let's see, social media, I do a bunch of cosplay stuff, a bunch of design and prop making. Uh, you can check that out at Toussaint Cosplay. It's number two, S-O-N-T, cosplay. So, do you, do yeah, you have that's what I got going Harry on. Potter cosplay? Have you cosplayed from Harry Potter? Yeah, I do a Death Eater. Oh. Nice. Like I, have the, I have the full leather Lucius Ooh. Malfoy <laughs> Death Eater. Is Harry Potter uh-huh. coming back up in your cosplay rotation at any point? Yeah, I'm I'm building a fun uh, horror right oh, now. Oh, fun! Just oh, wow. Not based on anything in particular, but nice. Just because why Very not? Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Bashan. Uh, you can follow me at C Bashan on Twitter and Instagram. I really should just have my handles ready to go when I do the show. I never do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm C Bashan. Maybe Chris Bashan. Just find me. It's fine. Um, at the time of this recording, what do we have? There is a. I did probably a Final Fantasy podcast. We're doing a Dune podcast later on, which mm-hmm. should be very, very good. Um, we just did a Attack on Titan podcast uh, where we all discuss what type of Titans we would be. That was very interesting. If you're into that anime, go listen to that or listen to it soon when it comes out. Uh, and we have a couple of other big topics coming up this year. But Harry Potter has been on the docket for a long time, so I'm fi- glad that we finally got to discuss it. Everyone, we did it. Well, I mean, we kind of did it. <laughs> I feel we did the abridged version of the yeah. show. A glancing yeah. blow. Yes. Glancing blow on, yes. on Harry Potter because it's such a massive property. Uh, I want to thank all of you for coming out and chatting with me tonight about Harry Potter. Joining me for our Harry Potter discussion have been... This is Tom Brown. Nick Tucson. Victoria Montalbano. Thank you and have a good night.